start with the mindset work. Do you even feel worthy of the top tech company job? Because if you don't feel worthy of it, you're not going to call it in. Welcome to the final round podcast, where our mission is to help you knock out the competition and land your dream job. My name is AJ Eckstein, and I'm a recent college graduate, a strategy consultant, a five-time intern, and the founder of the career coaching company. I have a passion for helping people achieve their career goals through non-traditional career advice. Have you ever wondered why only a few people get past the final round interview and land the job offer? Join me in the ring as I speak with recruiters at top companies to learn the secrets why certain applicants get knocked out and others are still standing after the final round. The Final Round Podcast is brought to you by Career Coaching Company. They offer one-on-one, live, tailored coaching from recent grads who work at leading companies across multiple industries, like consulting, investment banking, and much more. Now, let's jump into the ring and get you past the final round. Our guest today is a product leadership recruiter at Facebook the most popular social media platform in the world. Nikki Woodall has spent 10 plus years recruiting for all types of companies, including startups, nonprofits, and tech companies. She is also a mindset and career coach where she helps individuals tap into their limitless potential. So stop scrolling through your Facebook feed because you're going to like our next guest. Nikki, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. It is honestly our pleasure. And, you know, our audience has been requesting a recruiter from Facebook, and we are so excited to have you on the show. So let's just dive right in. I think a great place to start would be with your background. I saw that you have over 10 years of recruitment experience recruiting for companies as small as startups, as well as nonprofits, and then tech companies like Facebook. And I read that you manifested your current role at Facebook. And I would love to understand the steps you took to make that happen. Oh gosh, I love it. Are we going to get weird? Can we get weird today? Let's do, it. Let's do it. Yeah. So my whole thing is I believe the job search is very much a, like a three-part system. So it's mindset, strategy, and then a little bit of energy manifestation, becoming a match for whatever job that is that you're trying to call in. So that I didn't know that that's what I was doing when I was landing at Facebook, but that when I look back and reverse engineer it, it's like, okay, it's all three of those components are equally important. So that's essentially what I'm all about. So out of those three parts, what would you say is the most important part? And maybe the the part that most candidates neglect to focus on the most. I love that you are asking this straight away because I just was having a conversation with someone and trying to think about it from a way of like a a pie graph, like a chart Mm -hmm. (laughs) of what is the most important piece. Theoretically, they're all equal, I would say. Like you cannot have a job search without all those things. But what is not equal is the time spent, I think, putting energy, intention, and focus behind a specific category. If I were in a job search today, I would probably put 50% of my effort at the energy, vibration, feeling good. And when when I talk about energy, we all are, are operating on a frequency. We are energetic beings as humans, and we're all putting out vibes. (laughs) You know what it's like when you talk to someone and you're like, oh, I love their energy. That's the vibe that we want to be putting out in our job search. Nobody wants to hire somebody who's putting out a vibe of like, meh, 
or, you know, like just, just not fun vibes. <laughs> so you need, and it's not something you can fake either. This isn't a, something that you can just turn it on and turn it off. We want to get to a state of feeling good. And when you feel good, you put out good vibrations. So I would probably be putting like 50, 60% of my effort on just myself, on my self-care, my healing, my figuring out who I am, doing things I enjoy. That's what I lump into that whole energy category. And then I would probably say mindset, like just basic mindset work would, would probably fall into like 50, 30, 30 for the mindset. And then 20% is like that strategy and all that other, you know, logistical stuff. It's less people are doing the opposite. People are doing like all the strategy and all the trainings and all the resume workshops and all the things. And then they're doing like this much tiny, tiny bit of self-care, self-love mindset work. So it's, it's really just that flip. And I think it's so interesting because even when I was going through the job, you know, recruitment process, I didn't focus at all on mindset. I didn't focus at all on self-care. I remember, and I know a lot of people listening can agree with this, that you apply so many times and you get a lot of rejection emails and it just, it, it dents your mental health and you don't focus on that and you just keep grinding it out. And a lot of times you don't look back and see how could I improve or how could I do something differently? You just keep doing the same thing over and over again and, and trying to expect different results. So I really want to talk about that mindset and self-healing. And what do you mean by that? What, are, what should people be doing today when they're going through the job search? And what are some you know, daily activities they could be doing to really increase their mental health that will you know, ultimately land, help them land their dream job? So we know how things like therapy are nowadays not taboo, but in the sixties the and seventies, like going to therapy was like a weird thing. Like if you did that, you didn't really tell anybody because it made, it seem like something was wrong with you. <laughs> so um, times have changed. <laughs> so now, you know, especially like even in New York, like it's everybody goes to therapy. Everybody has, you know, I think what's become really cool, especially in lieu of the pandemic is that a lot of people have taken this time to turn inward. And that's really what I mean by mindset work. It's setting your mind for success. It's resetting your mind in many cases, mindset. So it's personal development. It's diving into, you know, you go to a therapist once a week, but then what are you doing six other days of the week? You know, it's listening to audible books. It's like watching uh, positive, motivational, inspiring things on the internet. It's intentional consumption. I think that's the biggest thing. Intentionally consuming things that are going to either uplift you and make you feel better or um, really help you uncover where your mindset blocks could be, your limiting beliefs, issues around worthiness, confidence. All of these things come into play when you're sitting in that seat at an interview. If you are not confident, that interviewer knows. So when you work on all of those things and really prioritize kind of like a regimen of like, let me just pick up the self-help book to start, you know, and there's so many, there's so many things out there. So it's just like really finding what works for you, but just prioritizing that of just, Hey, I want to improve myself on this journey of getting a job instead of just getting a job. So let's say that we have a candidate who is pursuing either an internship or a full-time job at Facebook. And you were mentioning listening to podcasts, maybe like the final round. What would be some actionable steps that you would recommend that candidate to take to increase their chances of, of you know, before we even talk about landing, a, landing the offer, just getting the interview? Okay. So just getting the interview. There are those tactical things. You want to make sure your resume is amazing. <laughs> you want to make sure you are networking, um, getting the referral in for the company, like all those kind of like strategic things that work to get you the interview. Uh, but then from that energy perspective and from that mindset perspective, I like to 
consider it a, a balance. I love what you said about the podcast, like a podcast that is intentional. That's like, this is a podcast geared toward my job search. So I'm going to prioritize listening to that. I'm going to listen to the final round when that comes out and have it on my calendar. I'm going to put that on my calendar so that there's no excuse. I do free mindset coaching every Monday night on zoom Monday night at seven Eastern time that's blocked off. And if I can't make it, I can't make it, but like, it's just there so that I know I'm prioritizing that I have one book. That's maybe helping me heal something from, uh, we've all experienced some trauma is the other thing. We've all experienced some kind of traumatic stuff. Even if you don't think you have, we all have. And it's not to say we want to go digging and searching for it necessarily, but we all have something that we could be like releasing and letting go of, you know? So whatever self-help book in the industry calls you just go toward it. So go toward whatever audible book is going to teach you something or help you heal some area of your life. Kind of those categories, your job related informational stuff to help you learn your, and then the mindset stuff, like whatever, whatever calls you, but really just prioritizing it. Like it's, it's not complicated. It's just, what are you making a priority? I just posted on Instagram and this like blew my mind. <laughs> um, 10 minutes a day wasted or just, you know, like distracted or just scrolling mindlessly or whatever adds up to two and a half full days of your life in a year. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> I'm sure, honestly, and I think those are those stats are rather small. I'm sure it's it's longer small than that. because 20 minutes a day. Then now you're talking five days of your life. Yeah. What could you have learned or done or experienced or just how could you? Um, and th the other side is too. It's fitness. What what kind of like workouts could you have done in those 10 or 20 minutes that would compound over time? You know. So there's just um. Th so that's another component too. It's finding what works for you. If you like dancing find an online dance class that you really get down with. If you like, you know, just any kind of like thing, everything's available now after with the pandemic craziness, we can find anything we need um, virtually. So really just prioritizing. Find, and I think it's just those kind of three categories, mindset for the, the work stuff, mindset for the personal stuff, and then fitness, I'd say. I think one of the biggest takeaways from what you just said is that you have to put those things in your calendar, in your schedule, in your regimen. And I always say that recruiting, when you are actually in the recruitment process and you're eligible for internships or full-time jobs, you should treat it like a four or eight unit class because yeah. you know with the class, you have homework every week, you have assignments, right? You have exams and you know every week you have to focus on it for a certain amount of hours. I think a lot of people, you know, the mistake that they make is that they just cram the recruitment process into two weeks of just trying to grind through it. And you know that everything's going to go wrong between having inorganic networking conversations and just cramming keywords into your resume, right? And going in with just, this is almost going to be a painful process, but I'll get through it versus trying to actually enjoy the process and get to know people like Nikki from Facebook, who actually loves talking about mindset. You can actually build, you know, some great rapport with that process. So I do think, like you said, that building out the preparation side, not just the physical strategy. Um, but actually the mindset part is so important. And obviously for everyone listening, and I think like you said, Nikki, mindset will come different for everyone, right? Maybe it's for, if you love to play sports and you love working out, that shouldn't be taken away when you're recruiting. That should be actually increased when you're recruiting, right? Or if you love to read, but now you don't have time to read because you're busy applying for jobs and networking, still take a few minutes out of your day because that will increase your mental health and that will also, you know, increase your chances. So I think all those things that you mentioned are, are such great points for everyone out there. And I even might incorporate some as well, because I know that a lot of times I, I might make excuses saying I don't have time to read, even though I love, love to read. And diving into your role at Facebook. So obviously Facebook is the world's largest social network. 
with, I believe, over a billion users worldwide. And Mm -hmm. can you just share with us what has been the biggest surprise working at Facebook, as well as what is one of your favorite aspects of the company? You know, they may even be the same thing. This may be breaking news. (laughs) This just in. (laughs) This just in. Facebook and all the fan companies are, they're awesome, but they're just as awesome as every other company out there. They're not special. Yes, I said it. They're not special. The branding has, and the scale has made it seem like something that is like, you know, landing on the moon, but it is my biggest surprise coming in because I also did feel like, you know, wow, this is really exciting. This is, it's going to be so different here than everywhere else. Nope. It's all the same. It's all the same stuff. Big companies obviously operate differently than startups or small companies and stuff, but there's so much about what takes place at Facebook that is so comical to me because people are looking at it like it's going to be like Disneyland once you get in and it's not. It's take it off the pedestal. Take these top tech companies off the pedestal. They are no better, more amazing more growth wise for your career. Yes, the branding's good, but you can still create an amazing career without these big brands. So that's my biggest surprise, but then it's also what I like the most about it because my mis- part of my mission is really helping younger people realize that like you're idolizing these top companies is going back to the energy piece and the law of attraction and stuff. You're actually creating so much distance from you in that thing. If you picture Facebook, Google, Amazon, all these at the top, like um, miles and miles away from you, you're telling the universe, God, source, whatever you believe in. I'm a spiritual person. So my coaching is very spiritual too. You're telling, you're telling the, the universe it's so far out of my reach because it's so amazing and I'm not there yet. And what's actually more uh, powerful is to say, bring it down, bring it down. It's a great company. It would be cool to work there, but I'm a great employee and I can work anywhere I want. (laughs) So, but that comes from the mindset work that comes from cultivating a worthiness and really believing it. You can't just lie to yourself. You have to deeply believe that too. So that's been such an interesting thing to witness. And I've, I've watched candidates. I can see and feel the energy difference from people who are interviewing that feel worthy of Facebook or people who feel like this is just a lucky break that they're talking to me and that they're never going to get it. I can feel it without them even saying it. And this is why I say, don't put the cart in front of the horse. Start with the mindset work. Do you even feel worthy of the top tech company job? Because if you don't feel worthy of it, you're not going to call it in. So that was like a rant about mindset. I did not think you were going to say that, but I'm actually so happy you said that because I agree with you. And I think even again, and I always try to put myself in the shoes of a job candidate because just, just a few months, a few years ago, I was, I was in the job search And I remember that there were certain companies that whether they were in tech or in consulting or banking, private equity, marketing, whatever it may be, those are, they are the dream companies. And you know, in the back of your mind that you say it's a long shot, right? Like I might be qualified. I might be confident, but it is a long shot for whatever reason. Maybe it's the the school I go to or the GPA that I have or the experience that I have. But I'm so glad that you said that because you have to be grounded and you can't just shoot for something that you you know, believe that you're never going to get. It's like going through the dating process and saying that, you know, I'm going to instantly get rejected. How, how would that ever work? Right. Exactly. So I think that those are such great mindset tips, because if you don't stay grounded, you don't actually believe that you can, 
There's no way in this, in this universe that's ever going to happen. So I, I want to you know, touch on deeper that you said that when you speak to candidates, you said that you know if they believe that they can do it or you know that you know, when they're speaking to you, they're like, oh my God, Nikki, I cannot believe I reached out to you. Please, I'll take it, you know, five minutes of your time. So can you elaborate on that? What are some of those points that you, you hear with these candidates as if they have the confidence or they don't have it? Well, I want to just also demystify something about recruiters. So we are, nobody goes to college and says, I want to be a recruiter one day. Think about that. HR person, recruiter, nobody freaking does that. It's like, it's like people land in recruiting usually by accident, but the people that become career recruiters are those that realize, wow, this is actually amazing. I get to help people find jobs. I get to use uh, you know, project management skills and like creative, it's also like sales. We're kind of selling and pitching these jobs to the people that we're trying to attract people that don't even want to work at Facebook, but that's another point. Facebook and Google and these top companies, we want to hire the people that are passive, not the people that are obsessed with us. We want, it's just like dating. You don't want the guy that's a, or a girl that's obsessed with you. You want the one who's a little hard to get. <laughs> so it's exactly, I use so many dating analogies for this because it's just like so relevant. You're trained to like look at somebody's resume slash also look at some, you know, just a, in an interview and feel so much and know so much data points wise without even having that long hour conversation. So then it gets into like how to be more confident, how to be charismatic. My biggest tip, my biggest tip for interviewing is there's, there's two sides of confidence. There's one is like, I'm not a confident person. And sorry, if you hear my cat, who's currently trying to climb up my closet, <laughs> he might fall down soon. Um, but uh, there's two kinds of um, confidence issues. There's, I'm not a confident person. Therefore, that's just going to show overall through the whole job search process. You know, you have to get to the root of, of owning your greatness, period, in order to sell yourself. But then there's like, I'm just not a, conf I'm a confident in my, in what I bring to the table, but I just kind of suck at interviewing. There's lacking confidence in interviewing, which sometimes I see that there's, there's some overlap or some, I see like, I kind of put people in a category of like, which one is it right now? So how can I help? Cause I coach as I recruit when I'm recruiting candidates for Facebook, I'm kind of helping them through the process too. So I'm like, okay, what do I need to lean into to help you? And with the, um, with the interviewing, that's, that's more fixable, right? Because you already believe in yourself. So when you believe in yourself, then it's like, what's the problem here? The problem is just that we don't interview very often. So when you don't interview often or ever, maybe you've only ever interviewed for like an internship or, you know, an ice cream shop job. <laughs> like if you have not interviewed a lot, you're not going to be good at it because it's a totally different skill set. So the solution, this is something else that I say in that pie chart, the strategy, like when we talk about that 20% is the strategy. 19% out of that 20 is just mock interviews, mock interviews. People are not doing enough mock interviewing. And that's why if Facebook even called you or Google called you, you wouldn't even be ready at all because you couldn't even get hired at like a startup because your, your interview skills are not even sharp yet. Now you can get them sharp because I see people do it all the time. I see that the average learning curve for my clients and people that I work with that are like mid twenties that are going all in on the job search. It's like night and day different. And then they land at Facebook and Google. I see it all the time. Two Facebooks, one Google come to mind right now because they've committed to the mock interviewing. And then what happens when you're doing all those mocks, you're getting more and more confident each time you're testing your stories, you're testing your body language, you're testing all these things and they're, you're getting their feedback. And it's, it's just like the number one thing people should be doing. And to your point from earlier around slowing down, that's what people need to look at. Like, if you want a really good job, slow down. The energy of rushing 
comes from the energy of anxiety, which really is rooted in fear, I believe. I believe there's a lot of fear. There's the scarcity that comes in that says like, oh, what if I never get hired? Rush, 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 rush. I got to get this. I got to get any job. I got to get a paycheck. I can't be unemployed. And I, I think that, you know, and it's really funny you brought that up because in our last episode, we interviewed a recruiter from a top venture capital firm and her whole background was about running. She actually, I think she, the, the stat was she has run nine marathons. And wow. we made the analogy, like you said, how recruiting is like dating. What we said in our previous episode is recruiting is very similar to a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And it takes time, right? You don't just lace up your shoes on the first day of the marathon and just run it and actually complete it. That, that's basically impossible, right? There are so many steps with preparation phases you need to take to get you know, up to that point where you're not only mentally prepared, but also physically prepared. And yeah you know, with those aspects, what would you say are the key things to prepare for this marathon rather than just sprinting to the finish line and trying to cram everything in just a few weeks or a few days? I think the first thing is that mindset really reframing and understanding that there is no mistake. You cannot make a mistake at this point of your career. You truly can't. And I think that that, when I do talk to younger people, I think that that's kind of like the, the consistent, again, it's fear. Everything in life operates on two frequencies, two emotions. There's love and then there's fear. And that's it. Every, you know, peace, joy, gratitude, all that is love. And then there's fear. And fear is the like, again, that anxiety and that ego, all that other stuff. The biggest thing to realize is that there are no mistakes because, and this is at every age, but especially when you're just out of school and especially with the pandemic, like everybody knows it's kind of, you know, an interesting time to be getting a job and stuff and to graduate. You're going to learn about what you don't want as much as you're learning about what you do want. So I do think, yeah, if I were to do it again, there's some things I would change, but like, there's no wrong choice. So if you're afraid of not landing the, the perfect job, just know that your perfect job could be like three jobs away, but you're getting the skills in this first job that you're going to take to the next one and to the next one and to the next one. So it's really just that mindset to prepare you for the marathon. You have to understand that life is a marathon. You're always learning. You're always growing and nothing is ever a mistake as long as you are learning and growing through stuff. So don't worry so much about about getting it right the first time. The first, the first job isn't probably going to be Facebook or Google <laughs> and, and even having that expectation if it works out and you're shooting for that amazing. But for me, even I had to have, I call it like the, the in-between job, the bridge job to get to Facebook because I was recruiting in these different industries, nonprofits, like student exchange thing. That was weird. It was amazing. I was traveling all over the world with the state department, doing a lot of really cool things in my twenties that I, also believe I manifested. I called that in because I felt worthy of a dope job that was going to be like really cool and full of travel and stuff. So I called that in and then it was incredible. But then I was like, all right, I really want to move to New York and go in corporate and see what that's like. But nobody was going to hire me with that weird experience I had with this like very unique program because it was a little just out of the box. So I had to go to a recruiting firm, an agency, and that agency helped me learn about a lot of different companies, helped me recruit for startups, helped me recruit for so many different types of of brands, like hiring like a CTO for this startup or, you know, like sales reps for this small company or, or whatever. So it, I did so many different things. I, you know, I was a top biller straight away because I took all my hustle from all the other jobs into that one and also commission-based jobs. So you make more money, the more you grind. <laughs> so I did that and that, and then I was recruiting in educational technology, which was also miraculous because 
I was so passionate about tech and education. So um, that job was the bridge job though. That job is what helped me get into Facebook because they wanted someone with exactly three years of agency experience and all the other stuff I mentioned, the hustle, the, the, you know, diversity of types of roles you filled and all that stuff. So if I didn't have that job, I wasn't getting into Facebook, but I didn't know it at the time that this is going to lead me to one of the biggest tech companies in the world. So you just don't know, you never know what the, like how great it can look if you're patient, being patient, I think slowing down and patience is like, it's how you prep for life. It's how you prep for the marathon. I want to take a quick pause and tell you about Career Coaching Company. Are you still searching for your dream internship or job, but are having trouble landing an offer? Career Coaching Company offers one-on-one, -on -one, live, tailored coaching from recent grads who now work at top companies like the ones you're applying to. Be sure to check out their website at careercoachingcompany.com to see how their team of coaches can help you land your dream job. Now, let's jump back into the ring. So let's say that, you know, whether this next job is going to be the Facebook or whether you have to work a few jobs before you can get ultimately to your end goal of Facebook, you know, obviously with your 10 plus years of recruiting experience, you probably reviewed thousands of resumes, applications, had, you know, hours upon hours of, um, you know, interviews, phone calls with candidates. So what would you say are some key factors of a top performer um, in terms of either experience or skills or certain resume points, or even just how they, you know, portray themselves, you know, in a phone call. Mm, yeah. I have um, so much to say about this because <laughs> my whole thing is helping younger people or anyone channel their inner top performer. Um, I think that we all have it in us. So the first thing is just to decide that you are becoming that top performer, that you are that, or you are becoming that. If you don't feel that you already are it, then just, you know, tell yourself I am becoming, I am becoming a top performer. The mindset shift first, it's like driving. You have to put the navigation in the car before you start hitting the road to go somewhere. You have to set yourself up to say, what am I doing and be intentional? That's first. Then what would a top, you ask yourself this question. It's like, what would Jesus do? What would a top performer do? WWTPD. <laughs> Every single step of your job search process, ask yourself, what would a top performer do? And a top performer might pay for a coach at 21 years young and just be ready to freaking go all in and pay for a coach that's going to help them and mitigate a lot of mistakes and, you know, all the learning curve and stuff. A top performer might definitely might have, and probably will have like many people look at their resume for feedback. They're not going to just spit out the resume updates. And like, you know, in two seconds, they're going to take so much time on their resume that they know and feel so confident from a shadow of a doubt that that is the most bomb resume that that recruiter is going to see. And then when that recruiter sees it, they, they 99%, they're like, I know that they're, they're going to call me. They are basically focusing on what they can control. When you focus on what you can control, instead of all the variables out there that are out of your control, that's what top performer energy is. TPE, <laughs> top performer energy. <laughs> like the top performer is like, what can I control? My resume to know that like, that's not disqualifying me. My interview skills to know that, that that's not disqualifying me. A top performer has already done so much of that work on what's in their court that they don't have to worry after that. That's the whole point. You want to take away that fear. You want to just like shoo it away because you're like, I've done everything I can control. So let's say that we have a candidate who is, uh, who has the TPE or top performer energy. Would you say there's a fine line though between being confident to get the role at Facebook, but also being overconfident or just, 
you know, saying that Facebook is my dream job since I was, you know, I, since I came out of the womb and I, the first word I said was Facebook and I, I've been swiping for 20 years now. I mean, you know, how do you walk that fine line appropriately so that, like you said, you want the candidate more than they want the role. So yeah. it creates that, that attraction. Amazing question, because that actually really is the difference between a top performer versus those that are fake in the funk. <laughs> so uh, you definitely have it's, it is a balance. It's a balance of But again, going back to dating, you've been on a date and you know that this is a confident person. This is somebody that could get any guy, girl out there, but they're showing that they want you very gently and, you know, not aggressively, but just like very humbly, they're, hum they're humble, they're humble. And they're showing you that I really am grateful to be spending this time with you, but yeah, don't get it twisted. I could be with anybody. <laughs> that's that, that's the same energy. So would you agree with the statement that companies want candidates that are wanted by other companies, especially like if you, given that you're a Facebook recruiter, do you want a candidate that's wanted by the Google recruiter and the Apple recruiter and the Tesla recruiter? A million percent. <laughs> a million percent. Okay. A million percent. So how do you, like, can you give me some, because this is so interesting, right? Can you give me some, you know, ways I can make it, whether I make it seem or make it obvious that, you know, everyone is like, every company wants me hot. Is that something that I articulate to you? Do I have to wait for you to ask the question of what other companies are you interviewing with? Yeah. Well, I think it's, first of all, it's like, you have to embody it and really be it. You have to be that candidate that we all, we can't fake it. Like you can't fake it because there we see it. And we, I have candidates that tell me that they have other options and other things. And I, you know, when it's real, like, you know, it's just like, just like dating, you know, when it's real, when that person is so amazing that like, they literally could get any person that they want out there versus when they're just saying I could get anyone I want. I'm like, really, dude? <laughs> like, so, um, you know, when it's real. So I think that there's a whole thing on identity shifting that I do with my clients. And I'm actually launching a course this week on this. So have you ever heard of the saying be, do, have? Be, do, have. And if you get on YouTube, there's so much on this out there, but it's kind of around the law of attraction and the, the energy, but it's also mindset. A lot of people have it backwards. They think they have to do something to have it and then they become it. You know, I have to grind, 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 do the, do all this work, starting a business to then have the successful business. And then I become the successful entrepreneur. Be, do have, you have to be that person. You have to be and be willing to invest in yourself and take the time to say, who am I? What do I really want? Do other companies want me? Do all these companies want me? If the answer is no, what do I have to do? What stories are holding me back from, you know, when I was not picked for the cheerleading squad at, you know, age 14 or something like that. And something in my brain clicked and said, you're not worthy of being with those cool girls. There's a lot of stories. And this is why I love talking to such working with younger people, because it's better to do this work now at 20. But there are little, you know, tweaks and tricks, you know, like if you are like talking to a recruiter, um, it's no, there's no shame in saying, you know, I'm, I'm in final mid to final stages with some other companies. That's a little, little nugget that is, makes my ears perk up because then I'm like, okay, you're talking to other people. And I love when you're talking to other companies, cause it means you're getting interview practice everywhere else. <laughs> so I'm like, get that interview practice over there so that you can come here and be ready. If you've been average for like up until this point, it's a decision. It's literally deciding I'm not going to do that anymore.
This is how you take control of your life. This is how you take back your power. You're going to stop complaining too. You're going to stop complaining about the, the how awful the process is. And you're going to get excited about it because you're like, holy shit, I'm mastering this process. I'm learning how to become a master at the job search process. And when you learn this stuff now, you're going to take this in for the rest of your career. I think that, you know, one of the main takeaways that I, that I heard from you is that you have to own your story, but more importantly, you have to think about who you're competing with, right? What are they doing? And then do something just a little bit differently. Yep. The difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just that little extra. Ooh. And that little extra should be that secret sauce. And, and I can't just tell everyone what that secret sauce is because, you know, Nikki's secret sauce is different than the next person's secret sauce. And you need to own your story. And I, I think that as good as that sounds, a lot of candidates, whether they're shy or they're humble, they're afraid to share their story and sell themselves. And I saw that you had a LinkedIn post talking about how the number one thing that colleges don't prepare students for is that selling piece, right? Because recruiting is a lot like sales. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. You're selling yourself in an interview. They don't tell you that. <laughs> they don't teach you that like you're actually, you have to get good at sales. Going back to your original thing about like, you know, applying to all the jobs and looking at it as a numbers game. That's a sales strategy. Sales 101 is that it is kind of a numbers game. So that's just one component. The other side of sales is, you know, if you two people are walking up to you to sell you, uh, you know, coconut water on the street and one person <laughs> is, is like, you know, has this amazing energy and they're like, you know, they really believe in their coconut with the pineapple in it and stuff. And they're like handing it to you and you're like, you know, feeling, feeling really good about them and you want to support them. And the other person's just like, Hey, you want this coconut water? Like one's like really mastering some sales skills of like having good energy and like really presenting it well. And the other one's like handing you a bottle of like this Vita Coco. That's like, you want that? I'm like, nah, bro. I want it from this guy. <laughs> so, so it's, it's, it's selling. Do I want this candidate or do I want that one? You're literally selling yourself against all these other people. But at the same point, sales is all energy. And this is why tuning in, I, we haven't talked about meditation, but like meditation is another really huge thing that like, I think if younger people started doing it, it can change your life. Um, because you're, when you meditate all the voice and all the chatter and all the criticism of you, like not wanting to sell your story and own your story and all that stuff, you realize you are not your story. You are not your story. Yes. You have to kind of create and craft it to tell people who you are, but all the negative stories floating around your head are not you. They're just stories you've repeated so much that now you believe them to be true. So when you meditate, you quiet that voice. We all have an inner critic. It's an inner critic that's very, very loud for some people. And it's kind of like softer for others based on the inner criticism you got from, you know, if your parents were criticizing you, if your brother was criticizing you, like this critic is loud for many people. Meditation quiets that critic because you can now identify that as like, oh, hey, hey, lady, um, not today. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, when you are not meditating, you become more conscious. Like they call it like the conscious observer. You're like, Oh, I'm just rattling, you know, stressed out thoughts again. And that's not me. So meditation helps you realize that all those stories are not you and it helps you sell yourself more, but yeah, just basic. Like, that's why if you have ever cut your teeth in like a crappy sales job after college, that's also amazing experience. Like I've sold makeup. I've done all kinds of different stuff. So, so you like, um, you then become, uh, these are skills that you can take with you everywhere, but you know, the best salespeople, it doesn't even feel like sales. It just feels like you're being organic and genuine and authentic, which really is what selling you is. Um, there's a saying I like, uh, when you, when you love what you sell, 
you just sell love. So if you love yourself, you're just selling love. And that sounds more like woo woo wee and whatever, but like, it's true. When you get to the point of loving yourself and honoring yourself and believing in yourself, you are excited to show up to an interview and reframe it of like, I'm selling me and I love me and they would, they should be excited to, to have me here. And I'm excited to learn more about them. Looking at an interview too, as it's not just like me, you know, on the chopping block, like, are they going to like me? It's like, am I going to like them? <laughs> like that's a top performer. A top performer has, has nailed every part of the process. They they've now studied mastering interviewing. They've done 50 mock interviews over 25 weeks, two per week, simple. They've, they've mastered all these little things that now when they have three interviews lined up, they know they're going to get the offer from all these companies and it's going to be them choosing, choose choosing which one is for you, which ultimately is choosing yourself. Like you're choosing, you're choosing for your future. You're choosing for your happiness. You're choosing for your peace of mind and your paycheck and everything else. So when you love what you sell, you just sell love. You have to love yourself to sell yourself. Well, I, I don't even know how to, how to follow up with that question because <laughs> so many points there that I completely agree with. And, and you do have to sell yourself. And what would you say to a candidate who wasn't able to get that actual sales experience, whether it was like you said, maybe selling makeup or, or selling, you know, ice cream at a store, whatever it may be, but what would be some just quick actionable items you can take to, to get to that end goal of loving yourself and, and selling your story? The quickest way, honestly, is meditation, um, even if it's 10 minutes a day of making that a regular practice. But there really is no air quote, like quick way to do it because everyone's different. And there's, you know, some people like I've been on the, the self-help journey now, probably since I was like, probably a good 12 years when I was called to it because I knew that there was things in me that I needed to improve. If I wanted, just like, if you want to, everybody wants to call in the great relationship, but do you want to be the great partner? Do you want to be the great partner that is going to manifest the amazing guy or girl? Like everybody wants the great job, but like, what about you becoming the most amazing employee and the most amazing catch for that company first becoming so good that they can't ignore you anyway. Before we jump to the final question, can you give one quick story or example where you saw a candidate come into the Facebook recruitment process and just blew you away with, you know, whether it was with their story or just their approach and how it was so different? It was a guy who was maybe mid twenties. He had had one or two jobs out of college. He had the most amazing energy, which was that again, top performer energy, confident, but very humble and sweet as well. I could just tell right away that he had it. Like we're kind of assessing, do you have it to make it through our crazy interviews? You know, like the interview process. Um, and I could just tell he had the chops, like he had been putting in the work and his resume was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't really like it was relevant, but it was still going to take some of my selling to the team. And people don't realize that, that we are selling recruiters are selling to our hiring managers because if you're coming from a company, like no name company or like something that's just a little bit different, sometimes we have to sell and explain why we want them to talk to you. You know, they don't want us to send them like 700 people. They want to send like five or 10 of the best that we've talked to, right? This guy was coming from in Canada at a totally different industry, still relevant work, but like not really super impressive, but I knew he was going to do well. So I sold him to the team. He got through and I coached the hell out of him through the whole process. And um, the only missing piece that I knew he was going to have to, to work on was a little bit of confidence to feel like he belonged in that process at this point, even though he, he had it, but like a little bit more, he needed a little more of that. The reason why he really impressed me was when I found out that to get to that point at Facebook, 
he had been in the job search for about six or seven months and he had over 200 networking chats, coffee, like, you know, zoom networking things. This is even pre pandemic. This is before the pandemic. He was doing this now. This is so normal, but he was doing this from Canada, like setting up all these appointments with, he knew he wanted to move to New York and, and land it like a good job. So he was doing so many virtual coffee things then over 200 he, and he tracked everything, like every single conversation he had so that he could really be diligent and thorough and organized. I'm not an organized person personally in my like normal life, but you better believe in my job search. I'd be very freaking organized. <laughs> like you have to, you have to track, you have to keep, you know, you want to build relationships. You want to follow up. You want to ping people. You want to write down what you guys talked about. So he did that. He had over 40 interviews and no offers to that point, including bombing at Google before he got Facebook and then did well and got hired at Facebook. So he stood out to me and he always stands out to me because he was willing to do what, you know, I was taught, I was coaching and working with people his age that were like struggling to even set up one networking conversation. And I'm sure your audience is, is more with it than that. Like you're like, you get it, that you have to be, you know, proactive. Well, what a, what a great story. And, and I agree with you that a lot of people will either make excuses or will say that it's too hard to schedule networking calls because they're too busy with school or with their current job. But like you said, if there is another candidate who's scheduling 40 networking calls, you're at a disadvantage, right? So it's so important to go above and beyond the next person. And you mentioned that as a recruiter, you sell candidates to the hiring manager. And I think mm -hmm. that the relationship between a recruiter and a hiring manager is something that even myself, it, I feel like I'm in the dark because a lot of times people either think that recruiters and hiring managers are the same person or they do the same thing, but obviously they're, they're not the same person. They have different roles. Can you just quickly elaborate on what a recruiter does to bring talent in? And like you said, you're supposed to sell a candidate to the hiring manager. Yeah. So this is a great question because a lot of people don't don't get it but basically like facebook invests heavily in recruiting we have an in-house recruiting team uh you know hiring thousands and thousands of people every year there's a lot hundreds and hundreds of us recruiters across all the every city and pretty much the whole world so we are then assigned to a certain business group so part of the business. So, you know, I used to recruit for a uh, global marketing solutions group, which was business operations, people, strategy, people, a lot of consultants and stuff um, that moved into tech. Like that was kind of a, a lot of the roles I filled. Then I moved it more into the tech side. So now I'm doing um, senior leadership roles for data engineering within product. So basically there's so many orgs and so many teams, and then there's a million of us recruiters that are assigned to these things and whatever group you're working with, those are your hiring managers, the people that are hiring for that role, a manager that's like, okay, I have one opening on my team. That's my hiring manager at a big company. It feels like different companies. It feels like totally like the, the energy of like the salespeople and like the business and strategy people is going to be very different than the people building the products. Your goal in recruiting is to build these great relationships with these hiring managers though, so that you can do what I said about selling them or they you're, it's a partnership. Basically you're partnering with them to say, um, okay, here's our business needs. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's why here's the job description. And then we go out and find it We're yes, there's the, the inbound applicants coming in, but a lot of the recruiters role for the, the, the companies like this, you're trying to find people on LinkedIn that are maybe not even actively looking. So, um, you know, that's headhunting. They used to say back in the day. <laughs> so, um, 
And back in the day, we used to have to call people like at their desk, which I didn't ever have to do that. It sounds terrible. <laughs> but now it's like all just LinkedIn messaging and stuff. There are candidates that like, you know, I'll push back on if they deny them. And I'm like, why? Like they're, you know, we, we have sometimes have that authority to, especially for smaller companies and stuff. Like when I recruited for startups and I thought it was really cool with the CEO, I'm like, can you like, why did, why do you want to pass on him? And they're like, oh, well, he doesn't have this, this, this experience, but I'm like, please have the next call. So your recruiters are your friends. And that's the number one tip is like, you don't want to be like desperate sounding of again, like be my friend. And like, I want to build relationships, but you do want to like, you do want to build rapport. And it's very easy to do that. You honestly just have to stand out a little bit because most people are not super nice to us. Most people are pleasant, but they're not like super nice. So just check in, you know, if somebody messaged me on LinkedIn, which is like, Hey, Nikki, I thought of you today. How are you? Like a candidate? I'd be like, Oh my God. Hi, thank you for thinking of me. You know, like so, you're about to, you're about to get um, thousands of people saying, Nikki, how are you? Happy Monday. <laughs> hey, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Cause it's like it's, recruiting can feel like such a thankless job. We're denying so many more people than we're able to like give the offer to. So it's like, yeah, the ones that get the offers, I've gotten like flowers and gifts and stuff. And like the, you know, the thank you, but, and a lot of people will say thank you to the recruiter of like, thank you for your help throughout this process. And I appreciate your coaching and this and that, but like, even just keeping in touch as like a, you know, a ping and you don't expect, don't have expectations. Don't expect to hear back because they're busy as hell. And they're probably not going to like necessarily, I don't even see every LinkedIn message. It's a miracle. I saw this invitation. <laughs> so, um, the, like there's keep that in mind. Don't ever feel bad if, if a recruiter or someone's not responding to you on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is not everybody's like first go-to place, or it's just so flooded for recruiters because we do live on there. So don't be afraid to follow up. Don't be afraid to, you know, you're not bugging anyone as long as you're respectful and nice. And it's a way to stand out because not a lot of people do it. Well, I think this interview came to fruition, whether it was me manifesting uh, an totally. interview <laughs> with a, an amazing recruiter from Facebook like yourself, or maybe our audience members manifesting totally. as well. And again, I want to be mindful of your time, Nikki, and this has been so, so, so helpful. Again, in a masterclass into mindset, into how to appropriately apply and, and address the entire recruitment process. And the last question, the, the final question of every guest we have on the show is what is the best piece of advice that you can give to our audience to help them get past the final round interview and ultimately land the job offer? It always goes back to mindset. I've already talked about like for sure mastering the, the interview piece, because if you look at like a pyramid picture, a pyramid, and at the bottom is the, like, I'm in a job search. I'm going to start thinking about what I want to do. And then one step above that is the, I'm going to dust off my resume. I'm going to start applying. I'm going to start you know, doing all these things. And at the top it's interview and the very, very top is the offer. So if you don't get past the interview part, it's like, go back to ground zero, you know? So you're, everyone's focused on the wrong stuff focus on mock interviews guys. Like that's like the number one thing. The only way to get to an offer is to nail your, your on-site interviews. Be so good that even if that role doesn't work out a week later, they're calling you to say, Oh, I remember they nailed that. And maybe they'd be good for this other like product specialist job or something. Um, like that's the other thing that we do often. Like you, if you make that good impression, your recruiter wants to fill their jobs. They don't want a million open jobs. We want you to do well. So the number one thing you, you can do is control that. So the number, so that's the best tip overall is just to focus on what you can control and people that are not in the weeds of this, like recruiters are every day. You don't see that. Like I have so many amazing candidates get to onsite and bomb the onsite. And it's so disheartening because it takes a lot of work and we don't want to reject you. We want you to do well, but the ball's in your court at that time. 
And interviewing is just not something we do often. So think about like how we tell stories and I've done it in this interview too, but like, Hey, call your sister. Like, Hey, I called to tell you one little thing. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm talking about like that. My story went like 5 million different ways of like, yeah. And I was at whole foods and then this, <laughs> it's like, we're not really taught how to tell stories clearly and concisely. So this is why you have to practice. You want to get to the place where you're having fun with this process. And you only do that after you put the work in. I just want to close with this real quick. You guys are doing all the right things. I think the, the biggest misconception on the other side as a candidate is that you feel like you're doing something wrong. You're not doing anything wrong, except you're not focusing on your mindset work and you're talking negatively to yourself half the day. And you're not really strategically like putting the time in the right buckets, but you're doing the things. You just need to reorganize how you structure it like more mock interviews more mindset work and everything else stop stressing because you're already perfect you're already whole you're already doing all the amazing things it's just a little bit of tweaking that most people need and that is a wrap nikki what fantastic advice i've learned so much today my favorite part about this episode was when nikki recommended to treat every company the same even facebook she said that you are less likely to get a job if you put a company on a pedestal. Remember that you are worthy and you are good enough. If you want to hear more of Nikki's sage advice, feel free to join her free Zoom sessions every Monday night about mindset and careers. I even added a link in the podcast show notes to learn more. I encourage everyone to tell a Facebook friend about the show and maybe even leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast. Until the next episode of the Final Round Podcast, keep fighting and I will see you in the ring.